All right. Good morning, Bridgeway. I'm Ryan. I go by Ryan T. Epp because my middle name is very important to me. Timothy. It's also what I go by. It's my alias in a different part of the world. Uh, I'll get there. So, yeah, greetings, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Uh, It is truly a privilege to get to travel around the province a bit and meet all sorts of congregations where I have lots of siblings in Christ. I've never spoken here in this capacity. I remember years ago coming down here with my mom, Joanne, Joanne Epp, who is from the Martins, uh, Abram Martins clan. Um, we came down here to speak about some of our experiences in Panama uh, because uh, with our church in Saskatoon, we're really connected to uh, ministry that's going on in Panama, and that's where I'm known as Timoteo, which is the Spanish version of Timothy, and therefore always in my name as I introduce myself as Ryan T. Epp because it's my Spanish name. Um, my folks, Ted and Joanne, are actually in Alberta this weekend visiting uh, Grandpa Edgar. Uh, they're, uh, he just moved into a new, a new place uh, just, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month and a half ago, I'm not sure. Uh, he's doing well. He's 99. And if, he's, uh, if he hangs around another month, he'll hit the, he'll hit the century mark. Uh, my five-year-old uh, knows that we're going to Alberta in a, in a few weeks to celebrate Opa's 100th birthday, and she tells everyone that my Opa is 99. <laughs> so I can, I'm uh, looking forward to when she can say that my Opa is 100 years old. Um, my family, so I have a wife and five children uh, not, none of them are here today with me, but I think they're going to plan on coming with me next week, so we'll fill up half a pew here. Uh, usually I'd have a picture of them uh, up on the PowerPoint, but I, uh, since they're coming next week, you'll get to see them, so I kept it low-tech this week, uh, no, no, no slides behind me. But together with uh, yeah, my, my wife, Terry, and our kids, we live in Saskatoon. We go to Forest Grove Community Church, and a few years ago, we started working full-time for Multiply, uh, MB Mission, the MB Mission Agency, um, where we are working together with local churches all over the world, uh, working together that the world may know Jesus. That is our kind of new slogan with the new name, Multiply, And, and we really do mean all around the world. We have workers in 68 nations, including our own nation, Canada, and all around the world, and people are coming to know Jesus in amazing ways all the time. It's really encouraging. And, and Terry and I's heart is that we as a North American church uh, would not only support the international work, but also see people coming to know Jesus here in North America, in Canada, in Saskatchewan, in, in Speedy Creek too. Swift Current, right? Uh, How is that going to happen? Well, we're going to need to follow Jesus. Good Sunday school answer. Um, But 
uh, Dave, Dave Penner, when, when he came in this morning, he, he, he said that I should make sure to tell you a little bit more of, of what we actually do. Well, it, there, there's a lot of things that we do. Like we do serve as the provincial reps for Multiply, get to do some, some sermon fills all around the province. Uh, so that's what led Phil Gunther to ask us or ask me to, to preach here a couple weeks in a row. So I'm here, yeah, telling you early. I'm here this week and next week. So depending on what you think of today, uh, maybe determine whether you're, you're going to come next week. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, uh, even if you don't like it, please come. Uh, but, uh, and, and as well, your, your very own uh, youth group uh, has been to Source Saskatchewan many times. And so my wife and I, we run that, that program, uh, Source Saskatchewan 10-day missions trip uh, right in Saskatoon. And uh, last year, just kind of looking at different, different ways to run the program with still having like a hub in Saskatoon, but, but uh, people did ministry all over the province, wherever they were from. And so uh, there'll be definitely a hybrid model uh, going forward with the Source Saskatchewan program. And we're kind of, we get to be the point people for any kind of missions uh, connected with Multiply in the province. And we have an office in Saskatoon at the brand new Horizon College building, which is right beside Forest Grove, uh, my home church. And so I have brand new office. Uh, interestingly enough, I, my office is right across from the bathroom, the men's bathroom, and brand new building. Like, I moved, I moved my office into there January. Like, a month and a half ago, a pipe, a pipe burst in the ceiling in the bathroom completely flooded my office. Who knew? Uh, so, that's been some adventures we've had with the new office. But really, really happy to be in a, in a college to get to rub shoulders with, with all sorts of uh, young people uh, throughout the school year that are passionate about Jesus, and it's, it's, a, good, it's a good place to be and have, a, have an office as a, as a mission, uh, a mission mobilizer, a mission catalyst. So, how are we going, uh, how are we going to, to see Jesus known in our, in our city, in our town, and, and across the world? We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to follow Jesus going to have to read about and learn about how he lived and communicate with him through his spirit and, and actually model our lives uh, to make disciples. And so our text, the text that I'm going to focus on this morning is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, you can turn there if you want. Um, and in chapter 2 of, of 2 Timothy, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking to one of his key disciples, and he gives him three different analogies as to what a disciple or a, or a, a co-worker in, in ministry should look like, uh, in this case, Timothy. And as it is in the Bible, I'm, I'm excited to, to look at this text um, from the perspective of, of what does it look like for any of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, um, what, what can we take from these three different analogies that Paul gives to Timothy in 2 Timothy? And I'm, 
it's not lost on me this morning. I've been so ministered uh, to already uh, being with you this morning um, from the, the worship uh, song selection and the team that helped lead us in worship uh, to announcements and prayer from Darren um, fr- to, to Honey's sharing of what she's been learning uh, during COVID. And yeah, she's, she just covered so much of the gospel and, and how we are to live. Um, with some challenges there. And from Scott with uh, the selection of, of Romans 12. And so I don't think, I, I don't want to miss that and I don't want any of us to miss that the message that I brought this morning, um, God chose it to be this morning with, with all these other supporting um, points and, and people. And so as we look at this text this morning, my prayer is that you would be encouraged, that you would be challenged to follow Jesus Christ with your whole being, your whole life. And my prayer, along with Paul in verse 7 of this chapter, uh, would be that you would think over what is said this morning, not just what I say, but the whole, the whole service, trusting that Jesus, through the working of his Holy Spirit, will give you understanding in everything. That's, that's taken right from 2 Timothy 2, verse 7. So, beginning of this chapter, again, Paul lays out these three analogies for his disciple Timothy. Three analogies of what Jesus looks like. So the first is a soldier. Sharing in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now depending on where you're at with your Anabaptist roots, if you have any, maybe you don't like this analogy, Most Mennonites would at least traditionally identify as pacifists, believing that war is not ultimately justifiable. Uh, Truth be told, the Epp family, from my lineage three generations ago, left Russia not because of outright persecution for their Christian faith, but rather because of the threat of conscription into the Russian military. And even now, the current MB. MB Confession of Faith says this, in times of national conscription or war, we believe we are called to give alternate service where possible, alleviating suffering, reducing strife, and promoting justice are ways of demonstrating Christ's love. That's the current confession of faith around that in the MB Confession of Faith. So, Wherever you are, are at, um, personally or communally with that, this, this analogy still stands, right? We are to serve Jesus Christ as if we are a soldier and he is the commander. When he gives us a command, then we need to do it and not get sidetracked from the command. I, d- I don't really know much to be honest, about, about the military, and I'm pretty ignorant. Uh, in, in a bit of my research uh, preparing for this sermon, uh, I did find it very intriguing and, and very important that 
when you enter Canada's military service or any military service, you'll be commissioned. It's just a standard. You can't enter the military without being commissioned to enter the military. You agree to be under the military authorities and carry out whatever they order you to do. And those authorities in Canada express their trust and confidence in your loyalty, courage, and integrity. That's taking a line directly from Canada's military commissioning script. They trust, they express their trust and confidence in your loyalty, courage, and integrity to obey your orders. And as has been mentioned this morning, the, the redeeming work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. So if you have come to Jesus knowing that you are broken and prone to disobedience and truly asked him to forgive you for your disobedience, believing in your heart that he took all your disobedience, disobedience all your garbage, took it to the cross and died to pay the price and raised back to life on the third day to declare victory over death once and for all. If you have done that, then you are commissioned by Jesus. In fact, we can read what's called the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. That the same resurrected Jesus spoke over his disciples before he left earth to return to his Father's side in heaven. He spoke this over them. This was his final instruction. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's really common to get a really nice paper printout of your commissioning orders from the government of Canada and frame it, and like have it in your office. It'd be awesome if it was more common for all of us to frame this and have that in our office and maybe, maybe put our names in there and like do a Jesus Christ signature at the end of it, all fancy, like the Queen's signature on the commissioning orders from the, the military of Canada? I don't know. But if you are a follower of Christ, this is your commission. And we all need to take it just as serious as a commission into the armed forces. Christ is the commander of heaven's armies, and he's commissioned us not to go and fight, at least not in the flesh. He has sent us out to make disciples. But how do we make disciples? Well, the second analogy is an athlete. Verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Okay, so this analogy is, is a bit shorter. Paul doesn't give us a bunch to work with here. But he brings up that an athlete will not get the prize, not get the medal, not get the trophy, unless they compete according to the rules. Following the rules builds on the first analogy of the soldier. 
but only if we're thinking of the right rules. So if the key to being a soldier for Christ could be summarized in obeying the Great Commission in making disciples, I would submit to you that following the right set of rules, that for following the right set of rules, we, look to, we need to look no further than the great sermon that Jesus preaches near the beginning of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're a follower or a subscriber to the show, The Chosen, I think that episode is coming out soon. The final episode of season two is going to be a live enactment of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm kind of excited to watch that one. But the Sermon on the Mount is three chapters of Matthew that go through crucial rules to live by and make disciples by. And that obviously would be a completely other sermon or entire sermon series if we were to get into the nitty-gritty of all three of those chapters. But I do, you know, if, if, if those are a representation of, of the rules that we need to compete by in order to get the prize, I do want to bring up some, some key things from them. I want to mention that near the beginning of those rules, Jesus says that we are his light in the world. And that we are not to hide away and keep the light to ourselves, but we're supposed to share the light. Put it on a hill, as it says in Matthew chapter 5. A little bit later, he declares that if we only love those who are easy to love, that we're completely missing the point. That one's been hitting me hard lately. That we're actually called to love those who are absolutely the hardest people to love. That's the lesson. That's the rule that he sets out there. What does that mean? That, that's actually hard. That's actually really hard. Another thing he outlines in the Sermon on the Mount is he teaches us how to pray, your kingdom come. You, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How, does, how is that accomplished? Well, in a lot of mysterious ways, but a lot of really practical ways too. Following the rules of those three chapters, that's, that's a big part of bringing the kingdom down to earth. He tells us not to be anxious and calls us to put our lives into perspective. That's a kingdom rule. There's a rule that you're not supposed to be anxious. Ever. What? How am I supposed to follow that rule? Well, I think you have to go back to the commission. All power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You can't do it on your own. And he ends this whole set of rules, I'm calling them, but this whole set of kind of principles that, the, that his kingdom is literally built on with this fact that knowing all the right things helps you about this much. Zero. Doesn't help you at all if you're not going to live them out. You're 
you're probably all familiar with the wise and the foolish builder. He hinges, he ends that whole sermon with hearing any of this doesn't help you. It's only gonna help if you take what you're hearing and change how you're living. And so that brings us right back to this analogy that Paul is using to Timothy. Only if you actually follow the rules with your life will you be able to get the prize like the athlete in the race. The third analogy is for sure the most familiar for us Saskatchewan folk. It's a farmer analogy. Nice! Chap- uh, verse 6, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. You deserve a reward when you are hard-working. Fairly straightforward takeaway. Building off of the first two analogies that come before it. Soldier, athlete. And, and even for me, like, because this analogy is so familiar, let's remind ourselves what we are really talking about. Paul is encouraging his disciple Timothy in how to live out his faith in Jesus. Right before these three analogies, Paul reminds Timothy that his job is to teach what Paul, what Paul has helped him learn to others, who will then be able to teach others. This whole text is about discipleship, about how to act if you're going to be able to teach others what you have already learned. In farming, there is a lot of hard work involved. I don't, I don't necessarily know that from firsthand experience. I don't, just like the soldier analogy, I'm, I'm especially my upbringing is fairly ignorant to farming. I'm Saskatoon born and raised. Not super ashamed to say it, except when I'm talking to farmers. Oh, no, just kidding. Um, but I actually went to Bible school with uh, a guy that grew up not far from here, Roy Falk, Ryan Falk, from Herbert. And I remember I was just starting to maybe date Terry, you know, making good impressions, that kind of thing, with the, with the in-laws, right? Or with the, what could become in-laws. And I, I remember sitting in my dorm room at Bethany College. I went to Bethany College with, with Roy Falk, Ryan Falk from, from Herbert. And I said, okay, Roy, five minutes or less, just give me the basics of how farming works. Like, when do you harrow, when do you not harrow? Like, I mean, I didn't even have these terms back then. Like, when do you straight cut? When do you, you, like, all these things. Like, just give me five-minute summary so that I can impress this, this, like, the father of Terry. And actually, like, Phil, my father-in-law, he's not actually a farmer. He's just, he's a trucker, like, in amongst farmers. He hauled bales, like, most of his life. So I, I wanted something to talk about with him. And... I turned those five minutes that Roy gave me the breakdown of the basics into like a 30-minute conversation with Phil that first time I met him, and it worked marvelously, okay? <laughs> fake it, fake it. I, I just, I faked it till I made it. Um, yeah, no, it actually worked pretty good. Uh, and since then, I've learned a little bit more about farming. 
But it involves a lot of hard work. I have a friend who helps his dad and brother farm in the Waltime area, uh, where, where my wife Terry is from. And, you know, maybe he's getting a little soft because he's got a job in the city these last five, ten years. But he does still help with seeding and, and with harvest. And he's, in the last few years, he's developed these terrible allergies. Like, and so you know he's helping with farmies, farming when, when he's completely stuffed up and his eyes are completely bloodshot. Hard work. And, and actually when I was... Uh, dating Terry in the, the beginning years there, she drove grain cart for a big farmer out in Alberta. And so I, I learned from that that, you know, during harvest, 14, 16 plus hour days, that's just normal at certain times of the year. Hard work. And then you have, you have bad years or, or bad seasons I mean, this year, we're not getting enough rain, and the, the crops out there are just getting absolutely scorched. Relying on God for a crop that only he can truly make grow, hard work. It defines farming. But particularly, if you want your farm to succeed beyond your life, as many of you would also know or be able to relate to, if you want to keep the farm in your family... Mixed into the hard work of even just keeping the farm going is the hard work of training up the next people to take over the farm. And that can be as hard or harder work than the actual farming. That's the Christian life. That's what Jesus came to make crystal clear. We are here to train others who will then be able to train others. It's hard work to make disciples and to live by the rules that Jesus has defined for us throughout his whole life, but particularly, as I mentioned, in his intense, very all-encompassing sermon in Matthew. And as I said at the beginning of uh, the message, or when I, when I opened, I am not just here this week, uh, but I am also here again with you next week. And today I wanted to spend some time on these analogies and share with you this message from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And next week I'd like to get into a bit more storytelling of of following Jesus, Uh, both local stories and international stories. I'm going to come next week with a guest, a woman whom a lot of you already know, Laverne Pratt. Laverne is in her 60s and spent many of her years in the 80s and 90s doing mission work in Panama with Multiply, and now after close to 40 years, she has felt that God is calling her back to Panama to work in the growing church conference there in the areas of women's ministry and using her skills actually as a landscape architect to develop a couple of church properties there in Panama. And I know some of you are already supporting Laverne uh, prayerfully and financially, and I want to remind you that she still needs many more partners to come alongside her in financial and prayer support before we sent her to Panama. And um, I believe your, your church already has had some prayer cards of Laverne uh, for a few weeks. And so you can, you can take one of those as a visual and physical reminder to connect with her and support, with her, support her as she follows Jesus' call in her life. 
But next week, uh, she'll be here, and she'll have some time to share with you personally of what God's been doing with her life lately. And next week, I'm also going to be bringing coffee from the mountains of Myanmar, and I'll share with you a story or two of this amazing little business uh, and give you the opportunity to buy some really delicious whole bean coffee in support of a business that is providing jobs and opportunities for Jesus to be made known and for people to provide for their families in Myanmar. And I'm also going to tell you a little bit about a local award that one of your very own young adults, Michael, Michael, how do we say the last name again? Michael Orthner. Yeah, so if you didn't know already, Michael won an award called the Impact Award, an award that's aimed at um, sending sending our young adults, our youth, into post-secondary education as missionaries. And so Michael's already been living that out, and we're going to hear a little bit about um, his, his life uh, attending the U of S in Saskatoon and working with Power to Change. We are all invited to follow Jesus. And when we choose to follow, he will fill us with his spirit and help us in making disciples. We will do this by being good soldiers under our commander, not getting distracted, but obeying Jesus' commission, by being athletes who compete to get a prize, and athletes that obey the rules laid out for us, like God's kingdom rules in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And by being as hardworking as all the incredibly hardworking farmers that we know and love, and that we would work as hard as farmers for people to be right with God before he returns. So uh, thanks for having me this Sunday, and I'll be hanging around in the foyer after the service, and if you want to connect, please do so with me, and I'm looking forward to bringing my whole family uh, next week. Uh, may I just pray with you here? Dear Jesus, thank you for sending your spirit to, to lead and guide us in this life. I thank you for making us right before you, for making a way for us to be right before you. By coming and living here with us, experiencing all the good parts about being human and experiencing the utmost worst parts about being, being human too. For taking all of our brokenness and, and, and disobedience and just taking it right to the cross. Thank you for making a way. And I pray that we would obey your commission to go. And I thank you for all the framework that has been, that's in support of this uh, message of discipleship that's been shared in this service already. Um, just the completeness of, of you, all, the, all the, the parts that we like to talk about and all, the, and all the parts of you that are, are maybe more uncomfortable to talk about but are still 100% part of you, your justice, your sovereignty. 
And Lord, yeah, help us to, to make disciples right here in this room, in our families, uh, but that it wouldn't stop there, Lord, that you would take it so much further than that uh, as you have commanded uh, to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, as, as I get to be a part of that uh, on multiple levels as an employee of Multiply, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would encourage uh, this church in their parts that they play with, with all different areas, uh, starting right here at home, Lord. Would you go with us and lead us by your spirit? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.